0: Going on, beautiful people. Uh I'm X, your host. Welcome back to Caffeine and Creatives. To my right today, very special guest. Um, MD producer, uh, creative, fellow creative, um, executive producer, um, former corner boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I'm not going to touch your accolades. We're going to get into that during the episode. <laughs> uh, okay. I have Pierre Madure.
1: Hey, hey.
0: How are you feeling today, my guy? I'm
1: feeling great. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I appreciate you for coming out here.
1: Man, I'm honored that you asked me to be a part of the show. Man, I've been I'm... watching the episodes. <laughs> like maybe one day I'll get a call. You know?
0: Whatever. I see so. this man. We, me, me, and Pierre go to the same church. Yes. Um, I am the. I guess now I was about to say I'm the monitoring. Engineer, you're you're doing a lot assistant, more than monitoring. Yeah, assistant, but. assistant tech director. Yes. Um. At Eagles Nest Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. Check us yes. out. Yes. Yes. Um. I asked my man Pierre to come on here because, outside of having a wealth of knowledge, and like just uh, being a fellow perfectionist which is i think i'm gonna call this episode the perfectionist yeah there we go (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's the connect yeah yeah
0: so it's like today i want to i want to i really want to pick your brain as far as being a creative inside the creative realm of moving around um your years of experiences Mm. um and uh how being someone who like myself like seeks out to achieve excellence every time yeah so outside of just achieving excellence like what are what are some of the fallbacks of like hyper analytical oh gosh You know. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. Okay, i'll let you ask the question <laughs>
1: you know, i could talk on uh without end about it
0: you know but um give it a what's a little bit of your background a lot of my followers i think the people that check out caffeine and Creators might not know your history or Okay. No, exactly. Yeah. What, what um, brought you here? How did you get here?
1: Um, in 2000, uh, in the year 2000, I moved to Atlanta to work with um, the R&B group, Jagged Edge. They actually moved me and my roommates, uh, the other pieces of the Corner Boys, mm-hmm. Daniel Moore and uh, Dwayne Nesmith at the time. Um, <clears throat> we moved to Atlanta in 2000 started working with them and then went on to work with... Uh, Patty LaBelle, Belbit DeVoe, Marcus Houston, Omarion, you know, um, in the process of that, met Rico Love, made mm-hmm. a huge connection there, and, and uh, that's been a long-time collaborator as well uh, with him, worked with Mary J. Blige, Usher, and a whole list of other names, mm-hmm. um, and in the process of all of that, had formed a very strong relationship with Tricky Stewart, and that is who I would credit with teaching me the art of production and the perfectionism, like we mm-hmm. talk about, you know, like he is just uh, because he learned it from the people that kind of you know, mm-hmm. schooled him in the in the game, which is like you know Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, mm-hmm. and uh, Babyface, you know, um so. You know, the tradition or of, of perfectionism and excellence yeah. at that level uh, is something that I, I think I derived directly from that relationship. And, uh, I mean, that's how I end up where I'm at today. And those tools have sustained me for
0: 20 years. 20 um, of them things. Yeah, I just yeah, came man. up on 2021 makes 10 for me. Uh, wow. Yeah, man. That's a milestone. So man. it's like the knowing where I'm at in 10 and yeah. knowing where you at in 20, I'm like, okay.
1: Bro, it's been a journey. It doesn't. It's so crazy how time flies by like mm-hmm. that. You never really realize how fast it's going by. Like to mm-hmm. even say twenty years, you know. You used to look at people say that amount of time and be like, "Oh, wow, that's, that's mm-hmm. a long time." But literally, it went by so fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As as. 2020 felt like two months. Sheesh! <laughs> well, speak was for season. yourself. It was, it was long. It, it was, was a long. long one. It was long, yeah. but I felt yeah. like I was saying, like, man, I'm waiting on 20. Everybody was saying, I'm waiting on 2020 to be yeah. over so much that I felt like I don't feel like I'm in 2021.
1: Got you. Got like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like 2020
0: yeah. is is over. It was so long that I felt like.
1: Man, so much. So many transitional things happen. I mean, obviously the pandemic stemmed Mm -hmm. a whole slew of changes. We just, none of, I don't think anybody was really prepared for, um, and you see the way it was handled, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody's just doing their best to try to manage those type of things that you can't foresee happening, you know.
0: How did that, uh, how did the pandemic, like, alter your, your workflow, if at all?
1: Um... So many. I don't think it changes mm-hmm. for us because yeah, I about to say
0: if you a studio, right? I feel like you have you have your space in your home where nobody else. Yeah, is. <laughs> it's like you know we
1: stay pretty sequestered to ourselves yeah. anyway, and yeah. just work with the people we work with. So it didn't mm. really change that drastically, but mm. you know, as far as traveling to work, yeah, mm. you know, um, or being in close quarters with you know artists, artists were a lot more cautious about what sessions they they would take or having uh, specifically requesting that, you know, you keep your masks on and mm-hmm. things of that. Just th- the stuff you should be doing, right. you know, but not not drastically, honestly, you know, and then as well, I think because of where I've been at in my process, I've been kind of narrowing down a lot of the peripheral projects and just mm. um, graduating my level of focus. So I just, I really narrowed my focus down to just two two artists one is a writer that i've been developing uh, named rockette monster yes i mean she's, <laughs> she's she's a beast one of the one of the best I, I tell her all the time i haven't met somebody with that high a level of melodic iq mm-hmm. um since rico love you know like rico love to me was like discovering his iq of music was mm-hmm. what really uh, c- contributed to the chemistry that we had over mm-hmm. the years um, with the Corner Boys. Um, and since meeting her, it's been kind of that same effortless thing. So between her and um, my artist, Tamel, and we've just been focused right there.
0: Which you got? Y- y'all, y'all uh, gearing up for a release for her, right? We have,
1: we well, yeah, we have a new EP about to release uh, either in February or March, um, is what it's looking right like right now. Way. Yeah,
0: yeah, very close. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And you man. said you you did more of the the EP. You executed like you you oversaw this this journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah was it, that what was. Is, what does it feel like to be in that space? Man, 20, 20 years. You it, know what I mean.
1: It's a different level of gratification, honestly. Because I get the same joy of seeing other people make progress Mm -hmm. and growth in their their development as well now. So it's less about, you know, trying to take the credit for something, you know, it's Mm -hmm. more so about like just continuously finding ways to add value Mm -hmm. to whatever you're a part of. And that really becomes, that's my high. Mm. in the, in the process of it all.
0: Yeah, I feel like and we were talking about this off camera like like I'm aiming to be like I don't want to do the jobs necessarily. <clears throat> but I think it's the being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's like when you have people that like all right, I know you can do this. Like you said, yeah. uh, Rocket had like that level that high level of yeah. melodic that IQ. Yeah. If you know somebody that can just execute that and then you're in a position where it's just like, all right, that's taken care of. Oh man. I have my guy over here that I know like all I gotta do is give him give him the tempo and the drums is gonna be It's,
1: it's way more fun. Uh, it's way it's can, way more fun.
0: How how intricate as as hands off as it gets, how much more intricate does your mind go now that you don't have to you know what I mean, think uh, about like each individual part.
1: I think it's a different level of detailing. There's still some there's still a level of intentionality involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, Which comes down to it's like I think any great chef, right, who may have sous chefs, right, but they still are in control of the quality of the ingredients that they're selecting Mm -hmm. and their preference of how they want things prepared. Mm -hmm. So that to me still takes care of the end product. Mm -hmm. So I'm still like in many ways um, helping to inform the decisions that are being made in the process, but. It's their creativity, it's their brilliance on display. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and together, it's the beauty of
0: collaboration at its finest. Collaboration, yes. Was going to touch on that too. Hey, Because like collaboration, like <clears throat> I, what I'm learning from, like because one, I'm very introverted mm-hmm. by nature. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like if I can get it done without having to talk to anybody, right. then That's my ideal situation, right? Um, but in the in the business of, of music making and mm-hmm. entertainment in general, mm-hmm. which we pretty much make a living off. Yes, of, uh, collaboration is key, especially nowadays. Like mm-hmm. after 2020 it's kind of like, all right, now that I can't, now that I can't get to whoever I need to get to, how can I get to more people? um remotely whether that be remotely zoom calls yes you gotta be you gotta be innovative right yeah we're probably more we're probably more connected to each other now that we can't be connected than we were prior to the irony right (laughs) which is crazy so like what is what is some of the um what have you been able to kind of take away in some of your key what would you say some of your key collaborators would be for you and what were you like able to take away from like those being around the, like the Rico Loves and the-
1: Yeah, I mean, well, for one um every situation that I've been in from day 1 in my career has been a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Whether we're talking about the Corner Boys, That's I, had, right. I had you
0: did cause you came in collaborative. Listen, I came <laughs> in
1: on that on that um uh, vibration and honestly, the only reason why you know, the um uh, you know, obviously things take their toll and, and go their respective routes. But even with respect to the Corner Boys and, and why that fizzled out was essentially because I I stopped valuing the collaborative effort. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And, like, as soon as that happens, that, that always becomes a challenge. But, needless to say, it taught me the lesson that, hey, man, you've been on the right page. Just mm-hmm. stay in that mindset of doing your part, you know, mm-hmm. so... You know the corner boys was a collaborative effort between myself, Dwayne Nesmith, Daniel Moore, and Tyrell Bing. Um, so within that, we had two writers and two producers. Mm-hmm. There's really not much you can't touch with respect to that. Mm-hmm. You go from there to then, uh, working with Rico Love, who to me, Rico let anteed it up because he went and sourced other producers to create. Uh, competition within a system mm-hmm. and together we created a very um efficient way of funneling records mm-hmm. so his productivity was super high and his work ethic was high but that was all facilitated by way of collaboration mm-hmm. you know if you've got five producers in a room fighting to be heard at one time mm-hmm. you can imagine the fire that's gonna yeah. come out and everybody <laughs> sure. everybody's fighting for the aux cord like hey yeah. man i gotta be. You know, mm-hmm. so you know, within that we had Earl and E. Um, from that spawn, my guy Diego, mm-hmm. who is now kinda working in collaboration with Bankroll got it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like doing a lot of big things. Um uh, uh my guy Casanova, uh man, he yeah. he did the uh twerk record for the city girls, you know okay. what I'm saying? Like so um yeah, I mean from and then from there um, moving to Atlanta, and I had my own outfit with a couple producers, and have since just kind of focused in on a couple guys that really their music speaks to me. It's a guy named Diz out of LA um, who is really, really dope, amazing. Mm. Like um, this guy, Versace P, who is also a- <laughs> collaborating <laughs> yeah. with us at Eagles Nest, right, yeah. on yeah. the drums. Uh, amazing nice-y, drummer, nice-y drummer, but. A phenomenal producer in his own right, you know. So,
0: I think I met both of y'all at the same time, yeah. It was through that that Carmen project, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time I met P. Yeah,
1: and I'm hearing your beats, I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? I, I, bro, I literally got on Jeremiah like a couple (laughs) weeks ago,
0: like, what is where the beats at from X, (laughs) you know what I mean? Man, I'm, I don't even want to say I'm trying anymore, yeah. Like I'm 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 making a conscious effort to be more in that in that space of of what I f what I feel like needs to be productive for me. And I and keying into like what my gifts are and what I know mm-hmm. is like there. Um I really just just a matter of like when we, well, when we when we first had the production yeah. conversation, right, yeah. and we were just like, I went through that, I went through that crybaby phase of like yeah. lost a laptop, lost a hard drive, well, all, all of re, it, rebuild, having to rebuild mm-hmm. your workflow, mm-hmm. switching from Logic to Ableton. Now I'm learning the new DAW mm-hmm. at the same time, and it's like, all right, yeah, those beats was fire, but like I haven't got back to that level of production with my current workflow. Okay and then trying to rebuild that back up and now it's kind of like all right now i have kind of a workflow like i can sit down and know i know how to finish a record.
1: can i ask you a question one perfectionist to another yeah
0: cuz all of that is perfectionism do
1: you how do you <laughs> handle how do you manage perfectionism how do do you I manage like it? do you like are you do you find yourself at times Uh, handicapped by the paralysis of analysis (laughs) like (laughs) Quincy Jones would say you know I think that's it
0: I think that's the one that's the one thing for me like Mm. I'm a perfect when it comes to production specifically Mm -hmm. I'm a perfectionist about production after the fact
1: Mm. like
0: after the idea is laid down and Mm-hmm. Like it's like all of my stuff sounds like what it sounds like because they're very they're I make I think my style of production is a very polished rough, gotcha. Like you. I make a very polished rough draft. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so it's like okay the dr- like the drums are kind of off. Mm. Like the tech there's textures to like other stuff where it sounds like he mm. might have recorded a couple of sounds in his bedroom because mm. I probably did. Okay, like you know. What I okay. Mean? Yeah. And then I put the really clean like expensive mm. sound on on top of that. But see, even with that, that sounds like intentionality to me, which to me is good. Because it's a feeling for me, but it's it's natural at this point. Like, it's not something that I think about at this point when I sit down and I I create. So it's like, with with production, it's kind of like, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. So there's not, I'm not really trying to perfect it yet. After it's there then I'm like, then I go in and then I play, I put the perfectionist hat. So you
1: just kind of throw it all in the pot and then yeah. refine it later.
0: Yeah, I write, I do that, I, I think I do most creative projects like that when mm. I, like I paint from time to time. Mm. Like, I'll let, i, I, I Throw whatever on there and then make sense of it later. Mm. Like, I, when I write stuff, like me and you know me and my mm-hmm. wife, we yeah. songwrite. So it's like when I songwrite, I throw whatever on the canvas and then like, all right, I don't like that. I can change that. I can do that. Uh,
1: you're like you're a real artist in that way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and just in terms of the the free flowing. It got
0: it has to. I like I really I recently just got into um, uh, really practicing yoga. Mm. like as you said like, yeah no yeah, so, I, saw like, I saw that clip of like, you and your series. Yeah. Like,
1: Whoa, they got the time lapse thing yeah going. so like, yeah so it's cool, like I,
0: I just got it like I started like like I did yoga a few times now it's kind of like I'm really trying to practice yoga got like, you like I know what pose names are mm. type thing like, you know, <laughs> like, like actually okay. studying it so it's like getting into that space is kind of like and you know with any artist once you when you're in that vibe and you're in the studio there's yeah. that there's that moment of being in flow Yeah, for sure. Where it's like, we all just aim to get to that point when we're creating. It's like, we get in, you got to set your mood, whatever that is, but you're aiming to get in that whatever you need to get in that state of flow. Absolutely. So I probably, like, that's why I end up don't, or in the past, I haven't been creating as much because there's certain stuff that I felt like wasn't feeding, I wasn't able to tap in. Got you. So yeah. I think that that yeah. hindered my like productivity level. Now we're getting back to like.
1: That's so interesting hearing you expound on that because I think, uh, you know, obviously in 20 years doing it, you can become a little rote or um, just regimented in your approach, you know, because mm. that's a huge part of how you scale productivity in many ways is mm. you have to have some sort of methodology to how you go about it. But at the same time, um, I think the greater imperative as artists is to make sure, like you said, you stay tapped into what feels good. Right. Um, no matter what, in the process of everything that I create, I do try to always make maintain um, that heartfelt aspect, whether that's in mm-hmm. the chords or just something in it has to have that thing that moves you. Yeah, because
0: you know? as... As calculated or as electronic as mm-hmm. music has become. Mm-hmm. You had, like, somebody has to maintain the human part, human Absolutely. aspect of it. Yeah. And when you get, when you build that IQ, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, you get in that space where you're kind of like, all right, music is, music needs to be conversational. Absolutely. To some extent. Like At the, its best. Yeah. At its best. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, I don't knock the, like, I'm just making this for a vibe. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even want to listen to the song, I just need it. It's the mm. back it's the backdrop to this activity, whether it be in the right, club or right, you're right, right. in whatever space, right. like I can only listen to this song in my Ferrari with the top down. Yeah, I love it. Like you know what I mean yes. <laughs> Like I, I love those vibes too, but like like I I'm here for I'm here for timelessness. Mm. Like I want the I aim as a twenty seven year old mm-hmm. not being able to be like I'm. my heart is broken that i wasn't able to go through like motown and yeah like you know what i mean like yeah, that wasn't I can, able I to empathize. be <laughs> I can empathize. like yeah. i Like my heart is broken that i couldn't like go through go through that process like coming in the game in the 2000s it was like we were fresh out
1: the 90s you know yeah. what i mean like which to me was like such a golden era for R&B and just, mm. you know, all the innovations that happened in that in that decade. There's um, still a lot of great music that we created in the early 2000s, but...
0: um the was, early 2000s is coming back now.
1: Yeah, I see... We, we we're on that cycle. I see everybody sampling all of that stuff from that era, which is, you know, that's mm. cool, man. It's cool to see how the music is cyclical in that way. Right.
0: Yeah. But I think we know, I think... Which is dope for me, and I think, which is why I'm coming back around to production. Mm. I thought about the timelines, mm-hmm. right? 10 years being 10 years, 20 years, right? right? So I thought about the timeline, and I was like, all right, the cycle of the 90s just went out. Yeah. Musically, the yeah. cycle of the 90s just went out. I think we're not going to get those samples no more. Yeah. So now we're on the t- 2000s why because the 2000 babies are 20 21 year old. Mm-hmm. Now they have their disposable mm-hmm. income and they're out actually living mm-hmm. life at this point. So so now that music is now that's why Missy Elliott popped in, and make a comeback. They're they're, yeah. they're eating in 2000. Oh yeah, for sure. For real. The eating sure. in 2000. Yeah, yeah. So like all of that music is coming back and I feel like the 2000s was like my entry level of I came into falling in love with music and doing it in mm. 2000s. 99 I was in like kindergarten. Wow. That makes you know what me what I mean? feel so old. <laughs> Even though Not I heard I... you say you're
1: 20 you say you're 27? Yeah, 27. Yeah, that makes
0: me feel very <laughs> very old as a young man who is now
1: touching the tender right age of 40. <laughs> Going to be 40. A nice 40 uh, 40 this year.
0: man. I I feel like I, I think it's just because I have a season soul. Yeah. I have a season soul. So I I have to understand that about myself. Yeah, yeah. Most 27 year olds aren't mentally where I'm, where I'm at. <sighs> I don't think maybe maybe I don't know. Man. I don't know how I don't want to say I'm special. I don't know. But,
1: I I don't know. I feel like I meet a lot of uh mid mid 20 year olds who yeah. Just have that thing where it's like y'all are tapped in in a certain way. I think generally as a generation is like that tend tend to be tapped in mm. um, with the old
0: soul thing going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I I'm I'm starting to get that more that mm-hmm. I'm more now that I'm being around more people that are doing what I'm doing.
1: Some of that I think has to have to do with the technology as well. Yeah, because it's like we have access to so much. So you can just absorb all of the stuff that maybe you missed before you got here, but mm-hmm. you still have accessibility to a lot of it, you know?
0: Right. Um. One, one question based on, uh, like, being tapped in with all of that stuff. Yeah. Going, um, tapping in. I'm going to hit on a couple points with this, Cool, too. cool. So um, dealing with longevity, mm-hmm. um, dealing with collaboration, mm-hmm. um, dealing with uh, having mentors, mm-hmm. Um that that were able to mentor you after being going through it yeah you know what i mean yeah like because i think we like i just started having like people that i really consider mentors okay like later in my life like post 25 got it right so like having mentors and knowing who those mentors were before i considered having mentors Mm -hmm. and like understanding like all right these people have been through it um versus having someone who's just older than you that you kinda have to grow with them. Okay. Yeah. But you just you're going along for the ride but don't have to take the hits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with mentorship there's different uh, I had to I've had to learn that there's different styles of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not always about proximity per se, as much as it is about capacity to receive the information that's available to you. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, like, I mean, one of my one of my favorite mentors is not somebody I've spent a lot of time around, to be quite honest with you. I've met him, um, Rodney Jerkins, like, mm-hmm. super producer, right? Yeah. Always been the quintessential guy to me, right? And I, I met him at 17 years old for the first time and then, you know, had worked with him for a little bit in my early 20s. With the corner boys for a little bit, just a little, not a, not anything substantial. <laughs> right. I want to be clear, <laughs> right. you know, like. But had a chance to, you know, at least, be around him, watch his process, see his decision making, listen to his conversations, and, um, and then from that, just learning from an auditory standpoint, the decision making involved, and over the years, learning, wow, there's a lot of intentionality that goes mm-hmm. into being someone that puts out that quality of music sonically um, versus my relationship with uh, Tricky Stewart, where it's been, I've had years where I've been able to be right next to Tricky and mm-hmm. in the rooms with him and, mm-hmm. and really learn from him. Same thing with with, uh, with Rico Love, like mm-hmm. I consider him a mentor as well. Um, interestingly enough, it's, it's those relationships come in different ways and different seasons. Like when I met Rico, Rico was on the come up, mm. right? Um, to the point where he's, and he shares this story openly. So it's not me, you know, exposing something, you know, mm. but like <laughs> he's, he literally started out. He, he used to crash on our couch. He would come up from college and crash on our couch. Mm. And to go from there to now the level of success that he is as a, as a writer and producer mm. and artist, Um, you know, that takes some type of willpower and grit Mm. and work ethic that anybody could learn from, right? So in the kind of what I would like to say was like the second breath of my career was in the season of time I worked with him. And, you know, initially he was learning the art of production and songwriting by being around us, Mm. You know, and then he goes on, and he has other experiences with other producers and songwriters that help elevate his understanding of the process to where when I met back up with him uh when we met back up and started working again, I was now the student. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying in yeah, many yeah. ways now he would <laughs> give me my props every room every session we were going you know whether we were working with Mary J Blige one day or Usher you know he he never had no qualms about giving me my props in mm-hmm. terms of like hey man this is the dude that taught me how to vocal produce so mm-hmm. trust we're in good hands like mm-hmm. and, but at that point I had to humble myself to where I was needed in that season which was to engineer in the mm-hmm. room and in the process of that I ended up learning uh, I ended up getting a whole new education, right? In many ways, but um, but like I said, that's like three different ways that mentorship can present itself, and um, and even through books. Like to me, like John Maxwell is a great mentor. I've never met him. <laughs> I've, read, I've read several <laughs> of his books, books right, yeah. you know, and I think that he's a brilliant mind with respect to leadership and just.
0: I'm starting to get those mentors too. I'm huge
1: sure. this game yeah. i mean what you like you said mentorship is really about um gleaning the information that will allow you to um take less losses yeah. over the and, and get to the desired goal in less time you know mm. it's not going to circumvent you from your process right because we all have a specific <clears throat> journey um and no matter how much anybody tells us exactly hey do this this and this even you doing that is still going to take you on a unique journey with respect to how the results unfold, you know? Thanks.
0: How does that journey look from the being on the other side of that conversation now, being able to kind of, um, in any circumstance, kind of handpick your circle?
1: You yeah. know
0: what I mean? How do you look at being being viewed or looked at as more of the mentor now? and and, and put putting those put in those younger pieces around you and how do you yeah. how do you uh maintain the balance of and that makes me think of a conversation
1: you know? that I had with Rodney Jerkins <laughs> early I had a conversation with Rodney Jerkins early in my career and he was like hey man so uh just casually when we first met he was like so how, so how many beats are you doing in a week, you know, like, and this is pre computer, this is like NPC, you mm-hmm. know, outboard. So, I mean, like, you know, I might do like five beats a week. That's nothing, though, too. You're talking to Ronnie right. Jersey, <laughs> who's working feverishly yeah. every day to try to be at the head of everything sonically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, he looked at the number and he was just, I mean, he heard me reply, he's like, oh, okay. You know, he said, "I always pay attention to hunger. I look for for, for the people that are hungry." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get what he was saying, but basically, he's letting letting it be known like you, you ain't hungry that. enough. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so look, so that becomes now in many ways like a um, a key thing I I key into and in the people that um, I desire to help or look to help um, because a hungry person. Is going to be in a certain disposition, mm-hmm. um, and not to the point of desperation. But hunger is—it's a look in the eyes. It's a—it's just a whole type of energy where mm-hmm. you like just tell me what I need to win. Yeah, tell me what I need to win,
0: and I'm I'm doing yeah, that. Yeah, if you're hungry for mm-hmm. the win,
1: you're going to be more receptive of the information. Yeah. Whereas people that tend to have little bit more means a little bit more comfort in life it's a little harder for you to accept correction mm. you know because you're touchy like well my way's been working i kind of yes. got some results you know what <laughs> I'm <saying>? I'm like <laughs> yeah. yeah but you ain't really you know so mm. i mean even with me man i have to consistently like a key with respect to that is just being able to identify who you are in the room mm. and recognizing when greater walks in mm. if somebody greater walks in it's time for you to be it's, quiet. Yeah. it's time for you to it's listen. A learn, it's a learning. experience. Absolutely, every time, every time, <laughs> without fail. Like, and that's that. Just that doesn't mean I don't have a high esteem of myself. I, mm-hmm. I have a very great esteem of myself and understand the level of greatness that I walk in. But also, mm-hmm. to me, the ability to be great is about being able to recognize greatness too. So,
0: yeah. Um, perfectionist question. Yes. How do you How do you look at how do you look at and balance the difference between uh, being hungry and being a perfectionist, and how do those overlap? Because I feel like sometimes, like, I'll me personally. Mm-hmm. I'll feel like, all right, well, I feel like I'm not hungry enough because my my turnover rate, my productivity level, mm-hmm. is not. Where I feel like it should be, mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm like, well, I don't want it to be. It, 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 I guess that falls into the quality yeah. over versus quantity thing. Yeah. And and what does that look like for you? I mean,
1: for me at this stage of the game, like I said, I, I if I take it in analogy form, I'm always thinking about it as a chef. Like it's the quality of the dish is really in the ingredients itself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the methodology are the tools that we utilize to get to our end result not quicker but more efficiently mm-hmm. you know and efficiency just so happens to concurrently lead to things being done quicker yeah you know or more efficiently it yeah it's makes. like the.
0: Di- i guess it's like the difference between like all right well how many times did you have to drop the pasta so to get that I mean, out into, yeah, or we got it down now to where it's like, all right, I know the noodles is going to be good. Yeah, now we just got to make sure.
1: Like perfection is thing? somewhat of a prison that <laughs> just try to, yeah. you know, just just dwell with in a certain sort of space, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, is perfection attainable? Mm, you know, relatively. So as a, if you're a true perfectionist, then it'll never be perfect for yeah. you, right? So learning how to dwell with imperfections and understanding but there has to be a higher imperative above mm-hmm. the quest for perfection it's got to be about what what feels good what translates and what communicates uh, with respect to creation you know I, i'm always one of my mantras is that you know artistry is informed by identity and elevated through intention mm-hmm. so i would measure Whatever we do artistically, based on does it communicate what you intended? Mm -hmm. You know, and I know sometimes artists are like, Well, I didn't have any intention. I just was doing, like you say, I just Just threw it on the canvas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But even in that, did it make you feel good? Because that Mm -hmm. was kind of like the reason, like, you, I think artists are born to express. Mm So, um, you know, you can't get you can't get away from that no more than you can the process. And perfection is just to me a part of the process. Like we aim at it, we strive for it, um, knowing that we're going to inevitably fall short. But it's in the aiming and the striving for it that allows for something that is really just next level and transcendent. You know,
0: how long have you been on on that side of perfectionism? Because there's like Mm -hmm. um i tend to be a very well no i'm a very i'm a very optimistic person okay by nature it's Mm -hmm. like it's very hard for me to not be okay like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm good. Yeah, I feel like we can, <laughs> we're kindred souls in that <laughs> way. Like, I'm good. Very mild-mannered. Like yeah. yeah, I'm good in most situations. Um, But being on the side of perfectionism where it's kind of like I'm striving for perfection or mm-hmm. at least excellence at mm-hmm. the least. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But at the at the end goal of did I accomplish what my intention was? How, how, how long have you for more of your career than not have you been on the side of like I didn't accomplish or not that I didn't accomplish it but like there was something else I could have tweaked in my perfectionism but I'm okay with it and I'm excited to do the next thing so I can do it that much better versus being on the side of like I well, didn't hit my I didn't hit my mark with respect was, to
1: excellence right I, I always I, I always quote this saying that I saw on a plaque at Georgia Tech uh it says excellent Uh, Exposure to excellence breeds excellence. Mm. Um, That's one of those things that's been concrete in my mind, right? Um, And I think about that from the standpoint of what I thought was perfection or excellence at one stage in my life has graduated as I've had more exposure to it. Like my first experience being around Tricky Stewart, I watched him work on a record, one record for a month straight, one song. For a month straight. And to some, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on who you're talking to, they're like, so we worked on one time. I heard a story about Bruno Mars working Mm -hmm. on one song for a whole year, Mm -hmm. right? And just tweaking drum sounds and switching out chords and, you know, whatever. Um, It's always going to vary on the degree of time that you have to devote to the process, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's going to look different based on, what you just have the means and ability to do. Now, being around Tricky Stewart, he's somebody that has always owned his own studio, so he's not on the clock. Check. He can take his time. Yeah. You know, he's he's got his engineer there that's working right alongside him. So I just learned by watching that infrastructure that if you give yourself the space and the utility, you can spend as much time as you want mm-hmm. on your process. Mm-hmm. So... You don't measure the um, the level of success based on um, your own pursuit per se, because mm-hmm. that can change based on the means that you have accessible to you. You know, everything is a tool, and it's about how you use it, time included, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I think I think my I think my more specifically because mm-hmm. I'm I'm aiming this at I have I have a few creative friends, and I yeah. and I always tend to be the. Hey, ex. I just, you know, the person that people talk to because right. like you're easy to talk to. Right, right, that. right. And they're like, how do you just always like you just seem so like you're not super excited, but you're happy all the mm-hmm. time for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think specifically, my question is like on the on the back end of like your accomplishments mm-hmm. and like what you seek out to do. Um, how do you how do you let stuff. Or how long have you been able to let stuff turn into a lesson versus a loss for you? Like going into something like being a perfectionist, like I want to do it like this, cause I'm okay. I'm okay with like yeah. what I wanted to is what I did is not exactly what I thought I was gonna do. Yeah, but it makes me more excited about the next thing. I'm like, I I turned it into an opportunity to like, all right, cool, like that one's done. I'm not going to dwell on it. But there's some people I know that's kind of like. Well, hear me out. (laughs) Your your optimism
1: could be anesthetizing the, the, uh, the, the catalyst of the pain from loss.
0: Yeah, will, I right? I, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, so so look,
1: and this is the thing: it's just about right. knowing what motivates you, though. Yeah. If the optimism is what motivates you, then then ultimately, um, that will drive your decision making. Mm-hmm. Like for me, for some reason, sitting with the loss just allows me to glean a lot of information. Yeah, like just, I'm just one of the people where I refuse you soak, soak to. In that. Yeah, like to me, I can't just. I'm not going to let the loss defeat me. Mm-hmm. But you're going but to analyze it. I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to look around like, man, this is terrible. This is trash. This is trash. Like, okay. um, But through that comes a lot of self-reflection, the introspect necessary to have a true sense of self-awareness in that. And that is the space for me that um, the wisdom has grown out of mm-hmm. to be able to help others navigate you know, their journeys respectively. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I mean that's I mean that's probably just quietly, that's one of my I guess greatest senses of accomplishment is knowing how many people I've helped along my journey too. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Yes. I think that that's always a revolving door of like yeah of uh, a lot of people that I have on the show is kinda like mm-hmm. it's it's not really you don't really make your purpose worth it until it's until it's bigger than you. Like when you start yes. when you start doing your purpose for you, like great kudos but yeah. when you make it bigger than you that's when it's kind of like it's a different level of gratification at the end right. of the day
1: and, and that that's today that's that's where that's i'm where at today at.
0: yes that's where i that's where i i aim to get to it's yeah. it's, it's getting there i see it in the yeah pipeline. so yeah. it's like all right
1: well you know so, what's cool about you that i observe is you do have a the heart of someone that likes to serve that likes to give that you know what I'm yeah. saying as you, you come from a genuine space of generosity in mm-hmm. general and what I observe in you so to me like that's the fast track to purpose you know
0: I appreciate yeah. it yeah I try I try to to be of service and mm-hmm. Like I always tell people, I'm like the thing that makes me most most uncomfortable in any room is somebody uncomfortable. Mm, <laughs> okay. Uh, like mm-hmm. I'm good as long as everybody else is good. When mm. somebody's not good, I I have to analyze why they're mm. not good, whether mm-hmm. it be the for a good thing or a bad thing. Like. Yes, what you you over here soaking? That's that's a gift. That's a gift.
1: Everybody's not concerned. You know what I'm I'm saying? I'm (laughs) concerned. I'm
0: genuinely concerned, but I'm not like my like, which I've noticed is a similarity between me and my wife. Is like Mm. she's she's an empath. God. like if somebody feels down or somebody's crying she i'm about to be crying along with oh, you wow. like me i care about people but i'm not that much of an impact yeah. like i'm not gonna take on your emotion i'm gonna try to turn your emotion around like i'm more like yes i'm more of that person yeah. bree is like what's wrong with like, That's like, weird. We're still we're still trying to figure she's still trying to figure it out too mm-hmm. but she's gonna feel just as sad as you do oh i mean i think to just from a
1: human standpoint um pain and loss should induce some sense of empathy or the yeah. or the increase I depth definitely
0: yeah I definitely get the empathy part yeah. um I just like I feel like I think it, and I, it's really the way I was raised like mm. with my dad it's one of those things where it's like if you're sad I'm sad that you're sad. That's that's the thing that mm. uh, me that wants to make other people mm. comfortable in the room. So, like, if you're sad, like, yeah. I don't want you to be sad. It makes me sad that you're sad. Mm. I'm not, but I can't not make you happy if I'm sad with you. Like, let's how can we get to something other than this? See so even in that,
1: that you're you're thinking as a problem solver. Yeah, I'm solving the problem. I'm the trying to, I'm trying
0: to find the solution.
1: That's a that's from a space of generosity and wanting to give. Like, <laughs> see see like and I'll tell you that's what I'm saying. It's like we're all we're all wired for connection, but I think our experiences shape our personality mm-hmm. and our personality informs how we kind of engage the world or those type of experiences like we're hardwired for connection and connectivity. Mm. So there's no way as a human to not feel, you know, some sense of empathy. I think right. we're, that's inherently in us all. But how we respond to it is probably more reflective of, like you said, how you're raised or, like, your childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, you know, I was always trying to find um, – a space of peace by myself, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I'm the I'm the oldest of eight children. Yeah. We grew up in small living quarters, you know. Yeah. So, you know, to have some
0: peace was yeah. like more important. Yeah, yeah. So, and now it's more so just it's just me and my. I have one younger sister. See, so you're like, oh, open
1: up to everybody. Like, let me, yeah. You know. The only
0: person I ever had to worry about was my yeah. younger sister, and yeah. she was connected to my hip most of the time. Sweet. So it's like. Different strokes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. One, um, we're going to start wrapping it up. But I have one question that I'm trying to ask a lot of people. See if I can get a new answer okay. for myself. What do you feel like is your most valuable habit? My
1: most valuable habit? Yeah. Um, I would say that would be my time meditating and thinking. Um because out of that is born not only the fruitfulness of thoughts, but also the economy of words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say that words are, I mean, they're the conduit for communication, right? But also I think that they are the vehicle of emotions. So, um, yeah, if I had to limit it to one thing, I would say that, like time mm-hmm. and meditation and thinking, like, that time of solace, whether that is um, sometimes it's in a form of listening to music. Sometimes it's in the form of uh, reading the Bible or praying mm-hmm. and just allowing the spirit to give me insight and wisdom. Yeah,
0: I think that that's been a a growing thing for me, like with the yoga and mm-hmm. uh, meditation. Yeah, and it's like mindfulness. That. It's, it's, my, it's mm-hmm. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is starting to be one of my... Um, one of my greatest habits Mm -hmm. that i'm that i'm starting to tap into i'm naturally mindful because i'm the problem of course of course so it's like but um i guess as you get older it's like that mindfulness gets it's very easily clouded because of how Mm -hmm. much you can pay attention to now Mm -hmm. like when you're younger it's like naive plays it's on your side. Mm-hmm. Being naive is definitely yeah, oh, yeah. on your side. When well, they say ignorance is bliss. <laughs> ignorance is Boy. bliss, for yeah. sure. So it's like you're getting older, it's kind of like you know a little bit more. Now it's kind of like, oh, now, based on like if this is the level of stuff that I know now, mm-hmm. the level of stuff that I can think about is here because I'm thinking about what I know and what I don't know at this We're point. Sad. So <laughs> so yeah. it get, it gets kind of crazy. So mindfulness, being able to sit down, that yoga for me um meditating Amazing. um that's uh, we probably shared that
1: you'll have definitely. to send me one of your whatever instructional videos you use oh yeah i
0: follow this girl um it's yoga with adrian okay. on youtube yeah right she now we starts we're doing, out simple yeah well right now we're in i'm on day i've been following her videos but she started a 30 day yoga oh nice thing. so nice. i didn't start on day 1 with her but okay. i started on day 1 so she's on like day I think like 20-something right now, or 18-something okay. to 20 Yeah, I'd like to try yeah.
1: that out. Being, being an almost 40-year-old, you know, body is a little different Bruh, these days.
0: Man, I, started, I just started having back <laughs> problems this year. I had lower back yeah. problems this year. I did yoga. I went to the chiropractor. I mm. got a massage. Back
1: I, to Back to normal.
0: Back to normal. See, that's no doctor needed. Like, that's the beauty of being twenty seven. <laughs> no, no. Snap back. Yeah, but if you do, but if I have that practice now, it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like the only the back the uh, the thing that slows us down as we age is that we start doing stuff to take care of our bodies after it's a problem. That's true. No, so you're right. You're so right. yeah, I feel like if I'm if I'm doing this stuff now, I should still be doing this yeah
1: being like preventative and, yeah. Like, yeah
0: it's like it's, I, I was thinking about that watching the infomercial, like like one of them random like 4 a.m infomercials yeah. or commercials and what it was, was like, it about it was like a, a pill like a special orthopedic pillow for like <laughs> senior citizens type thing and i'm looking at i'm looking at it and i'm like and i'm like if that supports this and it's supposed to do this mm-hmm. with the body why don't we sleep like that every day every day why are we waiting until our, our neck about to break that's a good point. <laughs> to, a, to have neck support? Like, you, don't, you know, you don't
1: got money for a pillow of this stature until you in your seniority. I so. guess.
0: Or we just don't. We don't invest that much on. like Yeah. I that's mean, really what it comes out to. We me. don't invest. Like, I, I talked to my wife about that, too. I was like, I, I want to invest in my sleep this year. My sweetie, we're going to get this
1: orthopedic pillow.
0: We're investing in sleep. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It should be higher on your priority list. You than, are
1: not lying. Then, so I, I want to treat it like that. <laughs> listen, we got a we got a memory foam mattress, and it's yeah. comfortable at first when you lay on it. But after a while, it starts to like lean in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I like a little support. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like
0: former is it's like, forward, it's, it's yeah. like it, it curves, but it's it's firm to where it's like you feel like you just you're not going nowhere. It's mm. like all right, cool. Like I can once I get in my my comfortable position, I'm not tossing and turning because it's going mm. to remain comfortable. You support I'm supported. Mm-hmm. So it's like investing your sleep. If you take nothing else from today's podcast, investing your sleep. Investing your sleep. That's important. <laughs> but I appreciate you hey, coming. Man. Out.
1: Thank you for having me, man. This is a really dope I appreciate you.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I'm going I'm to so I'm have a ball picking out the gym. Hey, man. Somewhere. Hopefully, hopefully you got, we got some good stuff. You are like a walking quota. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wait, I'm wait like I don't know what Jazz is a shout out to Jazz producing today. Uh, I'm sure to you guys you heard a couple of a couple of ones She has some Nice walking quotem. I'm writing you. these down. Uh make sure y'all write these down. Tap in with my guy. Can you tell them where like, they can follow you on social? Uh it's Pierre Madure on all of my socials. So that's you can find me everywhere follow my guy uh follow me if you're not following me if you're not following me i don't know how you saw this video um explore page man. explore page comment how you found this video if you're not following me but uh that's x dot w-a-v that's x dot wave and we just got the caffeine and creatives uh instagram up so nice go follow the caffeine and creatives instagram is at caffeine and creatives spelled out very easy absolutely um Another beautiful episode, my guy Pierre Mador. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Um, y'all be easy. Love y'all. Stay creative. We out.